Welcome to the podcast from Gateway Baptist Church. You're listening to a message from our Ormo campus. Find us at gatewaybaptist.com.au if you'd like to connect with us as we seek to change lives by following Jesus in our community, our nation, and our world. Good morning, everyone. Morning, good to see you here this morning. Welcome if you are new. Uh, let me introduce myself properly now. My name is Andrew Main. I am the campus pastor here. And uh, we're really stoked that you're with us this morning. We're in the middle of a series through the book of Exodus, looking uh, more at the narrative. So we're kind of jumping big sections, but looking at the narrative story of salvation through the book of Exodus and drawing parallels for how that uh, landed in the story of Jesus. And so we're going to continue that this morning. I said last week was really the crux of, uh, you know, really the crescendo moment of the Exodus story where we looked at the Passover event. We celebrated the communion meal this morning that has uh, images that hark back to that original meal uh, that the Israelite people used to celebrate in the Passover. But I said it was kind of the culmination, really, of the story where God, by his mighty hand, through this devastating plague, uh, led his people out of the land of slavery. And the blood of the unblemished lamb that was painted on the door frames of their home was actually the sign that um, the people in that house were going to experience the redemption of God. Well, once we walk through that, today we actually get to the event where the people are leaving the land of Egypt, known as the Exodus. And God had promised them that he would rescue them from slavery and he'd take them to a really good place, a place uh, that we refer to in the Bible as the promised land. It often says it's a place that's flowing with milk and honey. In other words, it's a really good, it's a really fertile, it's a great place to set up home. And that was the land that God had promised. And so the journey begins. I'm going to read you a chunk. We could read about five chapters today to get us in the picture, but we're not going to do that because we all want to have coffee and get out of here on time. But let me read you a little bit just to get you in the picture of the story where we're at. It's from Exodus chapter 13. It says this, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the country, on the road through the Philistine country, though that was the shorter route. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. From verse 20. And I apologize, I don't think I loaded this for the boys, so if you're wondering where it is, they can just listen today. After leading Sackoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. And by day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way, and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, tell the Israelites to turn back and encamp near Piharioth, between Migdol and the sea. They are encamped there by the sea, directly opposite Baal Zephon. Pharaoh will think the Israelites are wandering around the land in confusion, hemmed in by the desert, and I'll harden Pharaoh's heart and he'll pursue them. But I will gain glory for myself through Pharaoh and all his army, and the Egyptians will know that I am the Lord. So the Israelites did this. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their mind about them and said, what have we done? We've let the Israelites go and have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the chariots of Egypt and officers all over them. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. 
The Egyptians, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots, horsemen and troops, pursued the Israelites and overtook them as they camped by the sea near Paharoth, opposite Baal Zephon. And as Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. And they were terrified and cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. And Moses answered the people, do not be afraid, stand firm and you'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. And the Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. And then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. Raise your staff and stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so the Israelites can go through the sea on the dry ground. And the story continues, Moses does that, he raises his staff over the water and it says that uh, through the night the waters recede and the entire nation of Israel walks through the Red Sea on dry ground, pursued by the Egyptians and the sea closes in over the pursuing enemy. We get to the next chapter and Moses and Miriam sing this song and then we started this series on the song and the lie, you know, where they say, the Lord has become our salvation. This whole idea that, you know, out of Egypt they've gone and pursued by the Egyptians to the sea, God does a miracle in allowing them to walk through and be redeemed as they cross the Red Sea on dry ground. And we know the grand narrative of this story. We've read it. We've, if you've grown up in the church, this story probably was told to you in Sunday school. You've heard of it before. God parted the Red Sea. The Egyptians... Uh, were pursuing the Israelites, but God rescued the Israelites as he parted the sea. And we know the outcome of the story, but before we get to the outcome, I want us to think for a minute what it would have been like for the Israelites in the moment before the sea parted. I want you to put yourself in that space for just a moment because what they've got around them is a place where they don't know the way forward. They see an enemy pursuing them from behind and they start to moan and complain to God about why he's brought them here. The big question I want to ask this morning, I believe for some of you it's a really pertinent question right now, is this. Are you feeling stuck? Are you feeling stuck? Are you feeling stagnant? Are you feeling like you've hit a dead end? Now, this might be a faith question. You might have come to faith in Jesus and you started running really hard and everything was great and everything was new and everything was fresh and you wanted to be involved in everything the church offered and everything the church didn't offer and you were starting new ministries and you were passionate about worship and you were early to church and you never missed life group and everything about you were just so excited about this new life of faith. And now here we are a couple of years down the track and all of that zeal and all of that passion and all of that desire has just kind of dropped off and you feel like you've just got in this rut of going through the motions of doing what you feel like you should do to appease God enough but you just feel stuck there's no momentum in your faith there's no joy in your faith you've just come to a standstill maybe there's a whole bunch of reasons why you've come to a standstill maybe you're just disappointed in God you see maybe God has done some things in a way that you hoped God wouldn't do them. Or maybe God hasn't done some things you had hoped. Maybe life hasn't gone the way you expected. Maybe all the things that you thought that now you were faithfully following Jesus and giving your time and being generous with all of your stuff that was going to fall in place for you because that's the way it works, isn't it? 
and it didn't happen that way. And there's something in you that just has settled into this place of being stuck and stagnant and not knowing the way forward. Are you stuck? Maybe for you it's not a faith thing, it's just a life thing. Maybe you look at your life story and you think, things have not gone the way that I'd hoped or planned. There's a whole bunch of hopes and dreams that I had for my life. There's a whole bunch of things that you know, I believe God had purpose for me. And right now, I just cannot see how any of that's going to come to be. You know, I'm living this mundane existence where the things that mattered haven't become reality. And I feel like I'm just going through the motions in life. And right now, I feel stuck. I feel hemmed in. I feel like there's no way ahead. There's no way forward. Are you stuck? There's probably a whole bunch of other scenarios that have led you to a place of feeling stuck. But the question is right now, what happens when we get stuck? I reckon there's a couple of hints in this story that I think are going to be really helpful and insightful for some of us this morning. Let me go back to the first bit of the story as we read it. Exodus 13, verse 17. Listen to this. When Pharaoh let the people go... God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though that was shorter. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. So God led the people around by the desert road toward the Red Sea. And the Israelites went up out of Egypt, ready for battle. I want to say this to us this morning. The path that God leads us on doesn't always make sense. The path that God takes us on won't always make sense. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but I've shared enough in some of your stories to suggest that you've said this before. I, I don't understand why God would do it that way. I don't understand why we had to walk through this. I don't understand why it's taken so long. I've heard that one a lot. I don't understand why it's taken so long. I don't understand why God just doesn't move a bit quicker in this area. I don't understand why God hasn't answered that prayer yet. I don't understand why I have to carry this thing that I have to carry. You see, the path that God takes us on won't always make sense. But here's the truth. The path that he stopped you from walking, you'll never know. But you just don't know what God has saved you from. So the path that you walk on won't always make sense but you'll never know the journey that God has saved you from walking. We uh, had the great privilege last year as a family, had some long service leave, and uh, we took a month off to do a road trip through central Australia. Now, some of you can't think of anything worse, but it was one of the greatest memories and experiences of my life. I got to pack my five kids, Christy and I packed our five kids in the car and set off for a month driving nearly 10,000 kilometres through the centre of Australia. Anyway, some of the highlight moments come when you get to the very centre. It's a long way to get to the centre of Australia. But once you get there, there's a few great highlights, but none of them are close together. You kind of feel like on the map they should be all close together. We wanted to go to Alice Springs and experience Alice Springs. And out of Alice is this beautiful mountain range known as the West McDonnell Ranges. It just stretches you. We, We stayed at one of the furthest places in the West McDonald's known as Glen Helen. It's, uh, there's, and they're all gorgeous. So Glen Helen Gorge is a famous gorge where you can camp there. And we just spent days exploring the gorges of the West McDonnell Ranges. From the West McDonnell Ranges, we wanted to go to uh, two of the other great features of the centre. We wanted to go to Kings Canyon and then down to Uluru. 
And uh, so as we were planning this trip, we were going with our brother and sister-in-law and they had a caravan and they were all ready to go. And as we were planning this trip, I'm spending a lot of time in uh, books and maps and on Google and looking at all the different ways that you can go. And in my mind, I've got five kids packed in a car, so shortest distance possible is good for family unity and harmony in a car all day. And so I'm always looking at the map, wondering what the best way to go is. Right, we'd already made it to Alice. We'd done 4,000 Ks. We were in Alice Springs. We'd headed out to Glen Helen, which was about 130 Ks out of Alice. And then the next stop for us was this beautiful place called Kings Canyon. Now, if you pull up this map, there's this famous loop known as the Marini Loop. It's also known as Larapinta Drive. And so there's a way that you can get from Alice Springs to Kings Canyon. It's the way that goes where all that red stuff is. Alice is over in the corner, but where all the red is, that is the Marini Loop Road. To get from where we were staying at Glen Helen to where we wanted to get at Kings Canyon was 235 kilometers on the Marini Loop Road. There was another way that Google was suggesting. It was to go back through Alice Springs. 130 k's back through Alice Springs, a couple of hundred kilometers south on the Sturt Highway, and then in as though you're going towards Uluru, but then north again to Kings Canyon, 600 kilometers back through Alice Springs. Instantly, I'm thinking, 235 kilometers, how bad can that road be? That's, there's no way that's going to take us longer than 600, than 600 kilometers. Like 600 kilometers isn't just 600 kilometers. With five kids, that's like seven toilet stops, five fuel stations, 28, I'm hungry, when are we having food? Like that's just ex exploding the whole experience for us. So I'm looking at the map. Problem is my brother-in-law is very precious about his car and he's very precious about his caravan. I hope he's not listening to this podcast. Very precious about his car and his caravan. And so he's like, no, we're not going the Marini Loop. We're going back through Alice. And the whole trip, we'd made the commitment we'd stick together. And right now, I'm just, everything in my power is thinking, man, just suck it up and go on the dirt for a while. Like, it's going to be an adventure. And they're like, there's no fuel stations, there's no water stops, there's no phone reception. What if something goes wrong? And I'm like, look at the map. It's 235 kilometers. We can walk that thing out if we have to. Not really, but <laughs> let's, just, let's just go the shorter way. Anyway, I finally succumbed to the peer pressure and committed myself at great disgust to my own personal principles to go the 600 kilometers back through Alice Springs and on the main highway. I'd resolved myself to this fact when we pulled up at Glen Helen for our first couple of nights there and a caravan pulled in next to us. They had all the, they had the big full drive, they had all the off-road gear, they had an off-road van and they pulled in and they just, their thing was just orange. And he's pulling gaff tape off where he'd had to gaff tape vent back on the side of his van and he was, you know, fixing stuff that had fallen off. And I said, where have you been? He said, we just did the loop from Kings Canyon to Glen Helen, the Marini loop, the 235 Ks. They haven't graded the road for a while. It was as rough as anything. I didn't tell the rest of the family about this <laughs> because I had a position of being able to complain about the fact that we were doing 600 Ks. But if you pull this map up on Google Maps today, you know how Google Maps tells you the distance, but then it also tells you how long it's going to take you to drive? It actually tells you both ways are going to take you seven odd hours to drive. You see, I'm just looking at the map, and in my head I'm thinking, no road could be too rough, we're there, we can make it. But the reality of the road is it's not like that. 
There's corrugations all over it. There's bits where it's washed out when the wet season you know, came through. It, it's a really rough road when it hasn't been graded. And on this particular season, it was quite rough at the time we were there. And so we did the long trip around. But you know what? We arrived at our destination. Everything was intact. There was not an ounce of red dirt on any of our vehicles and everybody was happy, healthy and safe. You see, the shortcut's not always the best way to go. And when we come back to the story, the Bible tells us that there was a short way to get to the destination that God was going to take the people of Israel, but it was through the land of the Philistines. And as you read through the scriptures, you discover later become an enemy. They fight against the Philistines. And the story of David and Goliath, have you ever heard that one? Well, Goliath was a Philistine. The Israelites and the Philistine went to war often. And God said, I need to get them to the destination I have for them. And it looks like that's the easiest way to go because it's the shortest way to get there. But if I take them that way through the land of the Philistines, it's all going to go badly. So I'm going to take them a different route. And it's going to mean that they're going to have to have faith because at one point they're going to get to a place where they can't see a way forward, which is where they are right now, on the edge of the Red Sea. You see, the path that God makes us walk, we don't always make sense of it. And some of us right now are questioning why things are happening the way they're happening or we're questioning why God has allowed things to take as long as they've taken or why God would possibly, you know, orchestrate those circumstances. But here's the thing, and it comes down to faith because you can't actually see with God's perspective the way that he saved you from walking. And so sometimes we've just got to trust that God in his wisdom and his sovereignty is actually taking us down a path that even though it might be tough at times, even though there might be some great obstacles to overcome, that in his grace, he's taking us down the path that we can endure so we don't walk down the path that we won't. And the only thing that we can grab onto here is faith that God in his goodness is going to do that for us at times. It's like that movie Sliding Doors where, you know, two choices determine completely separate outcomes to the same story. We just don't know. I hope one day in glory I get to sit down and God says, let me take you through some of the things that happened that you got cranky at me about, but I want to show you what would have happened if it went the way you wanted. I'd love to have that conversation with God one day. When we started this church, there was a small handful of us. There was, there was eight of us originally and we turned into about a group of 50 and we came into this planting churches thing full of zeal and we were ready for revival to break out in Ormo and there weren't going to be enough chairs to hold in that hall three weeks in to the story of Gateway Ormo and three weeks in I think we'd, we'd managed to actually decrease our congregation not increase it and two years in things weren't exactly going in the exponential direction that we had hoped and I remember sitting with God one day saying, in prayer, just saying, I don't get why some of this has become so hard. And I felt as clear as the day. I, rarely do I feel an impression quite as strong as the day I felt this, where God just said, I need to teach you to love one another first before I actually give you the privilege of dealing with broken people outside. And you know what? I reckon had God taken us from none to a thousand in three weeks, we would have shut the church within three months because none of us would have had the resources to do it. And so sometimes God in his wisdom actually allows you to walk some paths that you wouldn't expect, but he does it because he loves you and he wants you to have the faith and the trust that there's days he's going to take you on a direction that may not make sense to you, but with God's perspective will make sense one day. So if you're stuck right now, if you don't understand where you're at, I'm inviting you into a place of trust. The second thing I want to say is this. 
Back to the story, Exodus 14, verse 15. Ah, verse 5, sorry. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, Pharaoh and his officials changed their minds about them and said, what have we done? We have let the Israelites go, and listen to this, have lost their services. So he had his chariot made ready and he took his army with him. He took 600 of the best chariots along with all the other chariots of Egypt with officers all over them. The Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, the king of Egypt, so that he pursued the Israelites who were marching out boldly. The second thing I want to say to us this morning if we're feeling stuck is this. There is an enemy that's going to try and rob you of your freedom. There is an enemy that will try and rob you of your freedom. But we have a God that's bigger than any enemy. And again, we don't find that out. They don't find that out till later in the story until they continue just being faithful to walk in, in step with the things that God calls them to do. Because right now, all they know is there's this mighty army that is pressing down on them. You see, the Egyptians looked and said, why would we let people escape from under our clutches? These slaves were actually useful to us. It was good when they were enslaved with us. They actually built things for us. We, we needed their labor and we've just let them go. What a crazy thing to do. Let us go and grab them again and bring them back into slavery. I don't know if any of you here have actually walked a significant journey of freedom out of addiction or freedom out of something uh, really significant. Most people I know that have walked that journey wouldn't say that it happened overnight and then there was never a challenge to go back. Most people would say I actually had to make the decision the next day that I wasn't going to go back to the group of friends that I was with. I had to make the decision the next day that I was going to put myself in those circumstances. I had to make the decision that next time that stress and tiredness and worry set in that I wasn't going to revert back to my old behaviours. You see, when God rescues us from something, it doesn't mean the journey ahead gets simple. And, and we have an enemy that wants to rob us of our freedom. And in the Israelites, it was a physical enemy in the land of Egypt that decided that it was better to have them enslaved than it was to have them free. And you have an enemy that actually thinks you're better when, when sin enslaves you than when you're free. You're more used to the enemy when sin enslaves you than when you're free. And so we need to keep pressing forward and keeping our eyes on God, who's always bigger than our enemy. God is always bigger than any enemy that comes against us. But sometimes we stop looking ahead at him and we start looking back at what's pursuing us and we get overwhelmed by the momentum of what's behind us when the thing that God calls us to do is keep looking at him, pressing into him. We have this, we got a credit card a bunch of years ago through, uh, it was probably like 10 years ago now, we bought something on interest free and so they gave us a credit card at the time to facilitate the payments and we paid that off years ago but they keep sending me a new updated credit card from this company. And for the last three years, and this, I'm, I'm sorry to all the really organised financial people here that are just going to like groan at this moment. For the last three years, I've forgotten to cancel it. We never use it. It doesn't sit in anyone's wallet. We're never going to use it. But I've forgotten to cancel it. And I get a bill about February that says you owe the $80 annual fee. And I beat myself up and I'm like oh, why did I not do anything about that? And so I ring the company and I say to them, oh, look, I need to cancel this. I need to cancel it now. I'm done. Like, I'll cop the fee. It was my own stupid administrative error. And, they, and all, the, without doubt, three years in a row, they've said this. No, 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 sir, sir. Hold on to the card. We will cancel the fee. 
but hold on to the card. If you commit to us that you will keep that card for another 12 months, you can cancel it then. But if you keep it this year, we will cancel your fee. I always go, yeah, good idea, cancel the fee. I'm not going to use the card anyway. Consider my draw, and I'll remind myself in January next year to cancel it. Well, January came, I forgot again, didn't I? <laughs> Same deal, letter in the mail. Who, who, we're not even, oh, it's that stupid credit card. I don't even know where it is. Ring them up, sure enough, sir, 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 hold on to the card. We will waive the fee, but you must hold on to it for this year. Yep, waive the fee, whatever. You know why they do that? Because they figure if I just spend one thing on that, they've got me. I'm not going to. I'm going to win that battle. Like, I'm just not that crazy. But the standoff now is about the fact that I want to pay the fee because I forgot to cancel the card three years ago. I'm not going to spend a cent on that card. But, but in the mind of the company, if, if, I, if they get me to hold on to it, and if in a moment of temptation I go, I need some quick money, I'm going to use the card, suddenly they've got me. It's a little bit like that in our faith sometimes. The enemy just thinks, if I can just find something to capture them, if I can just get a hold of them, if I, if I can put, put them in debt to me somehow, then their freedom will be limited. There's always going to be an enemy that's going to pursue your freedom. But the good news is you've got a God that's bigger than any enemy. So where does this story land? This, I have to say, is one of my favorite scriptures. The last part of this, Exodus 14. As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified and cried out to the Lord and they said to Moses, was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us to the desert to die? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone, let us serve the Egyptians? Get the magnitude of what the people are saying. Moses, right now as we see the enemy pursuing us, we would choose slavery over this life that you've led us into. Yeah, 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 we saw all the plagues. Yeah, our kids were saved. Yeah, we've seen all the miracles that God has done. But right now, as the enemy pursues us, we're filled with fear and we just think that it would be better to live as slaves than to pursue the life that God has called us into walking in freedom. That's what they're saying. We would prefer to go back to being slaves in hard labor, living out somebody else's purpose for our life than living the life that you've walked us into. And so they moan about it. And so Moses answered the people. He said, do not be afraid. And here's a really key thing. Because for some of us, the thing that makes us want to go back is fear. Fear is one of the greatest motivators. And we're at a moment right now where we're stuck and it's because we're scared of what's ahead. And fear is one of the greatest things that drags us back into the life that we had. And God in this moment calls us to take a step of faith. Moses said, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you'll see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you will never see again. Now listen to this. The Lord will fight for you. You need only be still. Moses, great speech, isn't it? God's gonna do a great thing. Just be still. And then God speaks. Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. You know, there's a time to be still and there's a time to get moving. There's a time to pray and there's a time to live out the prayers that you've prayed. There's a time to sit and listen and there's a time to actually get on board with the things that God's called you to. There's a time to question God's purpose for your life and there's a time to say, God's already spoken it, so let's just walk in it until he tells us anything different. It's time to get moving. God says, okay, Moses, yep, great speech. You've told them to sit still. Well, I want to tell you, stop asking me questions. Just get moving. 
And the thing that God might want to say to you today is one of the reasons you keep looking back, one of the reasons that you're at risk of actually just living this stagnant, still life is you've stopped moving. You've, start, you've made the choice to stand still. And in that moment, I reckon the Israelites are like, well, where are we meant to go? There's an enemy back there and there's a sea in front of us here. And God just in that moment says, just keep moving. I've moved you this far, just keep moving forward. Take your next step. You see, when we allow ourselves to become stagnant, one of the great dangers is we start looking back and we start defaulting into some of the behaviors that God's rescued us out of. Some of you right now have got some mindsets that God has actually done some good work in you and you got to a point and you got disappointed, you got let down, someone hurt you, someone didn't ring you when they should have, someone didn't care for you the way they should have, someone didn't do the way you wish they had done it and you started to get disappointed and you started to look back and instead of moving forward into the things that God had for you, you started to revert to the old behaviors that God had saved you from. Some of the thinking patterns, some of the bad mistakes and choices that actually enslaved you in the first place, God had actually moved you out of it. But right now you're stuck and you're looking back and God wants to speak something into your spirit today. Turn around and get moving. And so here's my question. The band can come and join me this morning. Wherever you are right now, if you're stuck, I reckon God wants to say, get moving. And you might say, well, what does it look like to get moving? I don't know what's the next step to take. Well, whatever the next step is, maybe it is just to start committing to being part of a small community. We've talked about life groups and maybe you just need to start investing your life in others. Maybe it's time to get off your backside and start serving others with your gifts rather than wondering for heaven to open and the great lightning bolt to hit you. Do something. Start somewhere. Take your next step. Maybe you just need to open the Word this week and start reading God's Word and saying, God, I don't understand it. It's really complicated, but let's just do this. I'm going to start by saying, God, I don't understand all this, but can you make it come alive for me today? What's your next step? What's your next step? What's your next step? All of us this morning need to ask ourselves the question, what is our next step? You see, some of us are stuck and we've turned around and we're looking at all the things coming against us and we're filled with fear. God says, I want to replace your fear with faith. You see, in that moment, the Red Sea hadn't parted and let's be honest, it's easy to tell the story when you know the sea's going to part, isn't it? It's harder when you're the person called to stand on the edge of it and God says, keep moving. But God says, I've promised these things. I've spoken these things. I haven't changed my mind. Look, look at the way I've moved in your story. Look at the way I've moved heaven and earth to show you my love. Look at the way I've, I've redeemed you and I've forgiven your sins and I've pulled you out of the life that you used to live. Why would you want to go back to that? And I just reckon there's some of us here today that are at danger of choosing to step back into the life that God has rescued us out of because it's easier and it's safer and it's more comfortable and it's what we know. And maybe today the most important thing you need to hear is God saying, turn around, don't go back there, don't do the same stuff again, let's keep moving forward. Because if you don't move forward with me, if you go back, you'll live your whole life enslaved. But if you keep your eyes on me, guess what? I'm going to move the ocean for you. I'm going to part the waters. You're going to walk through. You're going to see your enemy defeated. And you will never be part of that story while ever you decide you want to step back into that one. So guess what, folks? Get moving. God just says, get moving. And the message for you today, what did Andrew preach about? Get moving. What's my next step? How do I need to keep moving? 
Where am I gonna go next? What's the next thing I need to do to step forward in faith into the things that God has called me into? Lord God, I wanna thank you this morning that you have rescued us. For those of us here that are people of faith that have made the decision ourselves to put our faith in Jesus, to invite you into our lives, to ask you to be our Lord and Saviour. Jesus, you have done all that needs to be done. We celebrated that in a meal this morning, that your body broken and your blood shed on the cross of Calvary. Because of that and because of what you've done, we are free, we are forgiven. We have a new hope and a brand new future. Thank you, Jesus. But God, there's some of us here this morning that are stuck We've become stale, we've become stagnant, we've become disillusioned, we've become disappointed. Some of us are on the verge of stepping back into the life that you've rescued us out of. Father, this morning, I reckon you want to breathe the words into our spirit that you breathed into Moses's. Stop inquiring of me and get moving. Right now, God, by your Holy Spirit, would you just start to impress on each of us that next step for us. What is our next step? What's the next thing we need to do to keep moving forward in faith following you? Thank you, Jesus. Hey, why don't we all stand this morning, church? We're going to sing. We're going to sing of our freedom. And as we do today, I want to give an invitation that if you are stuck, if you feel stagnant, If you feel like you haven't moved forward, maybe you've already started walking backwards into the life that you've been freed from. We want to stand with you and we want to pray today. We just want to gather around you and ask that God would fill your heart with faith for the things that He has for your future and that He would actually bring His peace into the parts of your life that are filled with fear right now. But He'd give you a new resolve, a new resilience and a new momentum to keep moving forward love to pray for you this morning if that's right where you're at we'd just love to just to stand in faith with you and the first step is having the courage to acknowledge that's where we're at but as we sing this song if you love just the ministry of prayer this morning I think having others pray for us is one of the greatest gifts that God gives us that we would stand with each other and pray come before the throne of God and speak each other's name to the great creator of all things we'd love to do that with you this morning As we sing, if you love prayer, why don't you make your way forward? Some of our leaders, our prayer team will be with you in an instant to gather around you and pray with you. We hope you've been blessed by this message. We are a growing family and everybody who walks through our doors is welcome. If you'd like to connect with us, please head to gatewaybaptist.com.au to find out more.